welcome back and thanks for tuning in to Oil & Gas Onshore, where I am on a relentless pursuit to bring value, unity, and information to the energy industry one conversation at a time. So sit back, relax, and remember that even this very device you're listening on requires some form of hydrocarbon. This episode is brought to you by Technip FMC, a company who truly represents the future of energy. Hey everyone, look, not only do you get awesome weekly content by listening, now you've got a chance to win some serious swag brought to you by Technip FMC. Each week, one lucky listener will win a bundle of gear, which includes everything I'm about to list. Seriously, everything. An audio duffel bag, a Yeti tumbler, an executive power bank power charger, a Columbia neck gator, and a set of Ace Pods 2.0, which are the true wireless Bluetooth earbuds. All you got to do is click the link in the show notes and enter your information to win. Simple. Now go get your swag on. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm here at the Canon with John Giesbrick. And John, I mean, I feel like you're all over the place. I mean, in a good way. You're here, you're there. I see you at networking events. You're calling me up. You're needing people for clay shoots, wherever else. But what's keeping you busy nowadays? Let's just start there. Because <laughs> you and I, have, you know, we've known each other for a while. I met you when you first came down here. And you just, you're the, the epitome of running and gunning. So what, what are you doing nowadays? I mean, what am I not doing, I guess, is, a, is the question. Like, I'm having fun. I'm having the best time of my life. I'm around <laughs> amazing people. We're always doing something fun, adventurous. Work environment is incredible. I work for a great company. Well, let's co- start there. Who do you work for? So I work for a company called Carbo. And there's a few divisions to that company. There's the propent business, there's the software business, and oil and gas. And there's there's a few other branches to that company as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of split between the propent group and the software group. We've got ceramic technology, ceramic propent technologies that provide a lot of value and solve a lot of problems for operators. So I'm involved in that. And then I'm also involved in, in the software group called FRACPRO. And it was a historical, historically, it's just been a modeling program that's been around for a long time. And over the last few years, they've brought it into the cloud and, and kind of got into the future of where oil and gas is going. You know, right. it's, it's been really cool. They, they call it FRACPRO AI and FRACPRO Ops now. One's, you know, kind of built for the operators and built for the service companies to, to work with data and do cool things. And it's been fun to be a part of that. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no shortage of, of things I can do there and, and get in front of people and have good conversations, facilitate those environments for, for business to grow. Yeah. And, and so that and my territory is pretty much, you know, wherever I can find good connections in North America. Right. So it's fun. Yeah. I, I, it's challenging. It's extremely challenging, but there's a lot of potential there for growth and I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah. No, so. you, and, and that's the thing. I, I think every time I talk to you, the first thing that comes out of your, your mouth is like, I'm having the best time in my life. Like, you know, things, I just couldn't be happier. Things are amazing. Optimism leaks out of your pores. I think 24 <laughs> seven, when you sleep, you're like somehow like the positive vibe gods, like pour it into your blood. And then like, you wake up and you're just like the most positive person, which is amazing. But where does that come from? I grew up in a great environment. I grew up traveling the world. My dad's a pilot for Air Canada Jazz. And, and we've traveled around the world my whole life growing up. And then I ended up in school in really cool places around great people doing new things all the time. Mm-hmm. It started in my introduction to the U.S. was, was living in Montana. And that was just, you know, obviously incredible. And we took full advantage of that. And just, I've always been in a great environment around good people, but I choose to be in those environments. Right. So it just, if you're around the right people, anything's possible. Yeah. Right? No, that's, that's so true. And, and for the listeners, this is actually round two with John and I. 
And so I encourage everyone to go back. I don't remember what episode it was, but if you search it up on Spotify or even on the website, you can look at it. And, and John does a great job of, of kind of going through his you know, upbringing and how we got into oil and gas. And at the time, I think you were a young grad. But today, you know, I think we're here to talk about a few other things. But meanwhile, your story is fascinating. We've gone through that. So I want to dig a little deeper on some other topics. But before we get going, I do want to highlight some fascinating technology provided by our sponsor, Technip FMC. Their new and integrated iComplete ecosystem is digitally enabled and delivers efficiency benefits by dramatically reducing components and connections while simultaneously providing real-time data to operators about the well-pad operations. Technip FMC is continuing to push the limits in order to achieve full frack automation. To discover more about all the benefits of iComplete, click the link in the show notes or check them out on LinkedIn. We're also doing our monthly happy hours here in Houston, so check out OGGN.com for more details on all our events. And please make sure to also look at all the different podcasts. There's a podcast out there for just about anybody. We've got stuff from new technology, ESG, leadership, any topic related to energy. And we're kind of branching even outside energies. There's some cool stuff coming down the pipeline. So visit OGGN.com to keep up to date with everything. And yeah, again, we appreciate everyone's support. And we'll continue pumping out podcasts, content, and events, and you know, keep the industry alive. So John, I, I think one question that I've been asking lately, which I think is kind of fun, and you've, if you've listened to a podcast recently, you might have, but what's the ideal Friday night look like for John Giesbrick? I mean, I feel like it could be anywhere from like camping in the Amazon to like, you know, hanging out with a bunch of people down in, I don't know, in the height. I mean, what does the ideal Friday night look like to you? Assuming you could have all the money in the world. Yeah, man, that's a very tough question to answer because it's like I could be anywhere. I mean, Probably right now at this time of the year, I'd want to be somewhere with my mountain bike, my buddies and, uh, you know, our, our friend group that loves mountain biking Yeah, at some epic mountain lodge in the Rockies, you know. Which one? Probably somewhere in northern British Columbia and, you know, up near the Revelstoke area there, right? Okay. That epicenter of just like where all the big mountains come together with that coastal vibe. And you got the most incredible mountain biking trails in the world. Yeah. And you could stay at this super luxurious backcountry. You take a helicopter up, stay at this backcountry lodge and, and just ride in the most epic scenery and epic, you know, single track mountain biking in the world. Really? And, up know, there? I'm, Obviously, huh. getting there could be a problem. So if we had a private jet ready to go and we just hopped on that, yeah, yeah. get out of Houston, get up there within a real short time, that would be ideal. Yeah. You know, and, and so, and you laugh and, you know, but that's why I asked the question because a lot of people, I think they set their vision and goals very shortly in front of them. Whereas like, I listened to a podcast by a gentleman, he offers up financial advice, but his name is Remit and I forget his last name, but I listened to him on a podcast and he helps couples and and people with their sort of financial goals and like, you know, giving them a blueprint for, okay, where do you want to be? And a lot of people are like, oh, you know, one day I'd like to pay off my house and this and that. But it's like, he then poses the questions like, like, what does your rich life look like? Like, if you could literally achieve and accomplish everything that you even thought of, like, what would that look like? And then he breaks it down as like, 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 oh, you know, I like to travel, you know, every, you know, few times a year. And he's like, okay, well, where? And like, would you fly first class? Would you fly economy? Okay, which seat would you sit in? What drink would you have on that first class flight if you were to fly there? And it really like helps you clearly like visualize those types of goals. And so when I asked the question about like, you know, what's the ideal Friday night, people are like, ah, you know, like, you know, maybe go out for dinner or hang out at, you know, somewhere or go mountain biking. But it's like, until you can like shoot for the stars, but then really visualize exactly what that looks like, 
I think it's a lot more attainable when you when you've really focused in because it's kind of like sports, right? Like I grew up playing sports, and you visualize each play, you visualize what it's like, you know, receiving the ball or hitting the ball, and you know, okay, what is it going in the right field, or the left field? And the more you can visualize, I think a lot of that it's kind of goes back to. I'm sure everyone's familiar with it with the, the Secret. It's like an old, it's an old movie, and it was a book, but it talks about like the power of positive thinking and the law of attraction. And I think if you can think about exactly like if you close your eyes and you picture it and it's like extremely vivid, it's more likely to happen. So like you laugh about getting on the private jet, but there's no doubt in my mind one day you'll be like, hey, Justin, I got the jet. We're going to BC back home. I know that's where you're from. We're going to Rebel Store. We're staying at this hotel. I got this book. I mean, if you just like keep thinking about it, it's going to happen then. You visualize it. Yeah. Visualize <laughs> the the impossible and dream big. And yeah. then, and a lot of my all of my greatest mentors have always said, just write it down, like yes. write it down. And I need to do a better job of that. I, I do do that. I've, I've got a goal book and I think I've mentioned that before. Yeah. But it, it kind of gets, you know, put off to the side sometimes and you just get distracted with life. But yeah, every day, you know, write it down. What do you want to accomplish? How are you getting there? And exactly those little details, I think, you know, especially in your work day and, and mm-hmm. you know, in your personal life things, you know, just really make it happen right yeah write it down yeah no writing things down is amazing i've done it through like for years and i go as far back you know looking at it, it's crazy because i'll say you know okay next year i want to earn this much money and you know as a salesman i want to generate this much revenue or i want to pick up this many rigs and nine out of ten times if i write it down then and the more detailed i am the more accurate those results actually become which is crazy because it's like yeah. But again, the power of writing things down. It was just, again, interesting. I love it, man. I know you're an outdoorsy type person. And you actually, I think during COVID, you took an opportunity to pursue a passion project, which we can talk about. But before that, so I'm curious, how are you innovating this year? I mean, and you've said this to me and then for the f- folks that know you, you've said it is like 2020 was the best time of your life. And and I think it's, you know, and people are probably like, oh, it sounds silly, but the way you actually explain it makes a lot of sense. So when you say that, what does that mean? And then how are you coming out of it and then setting yourself up for success as things continue to get better in the world and here in the US, obviously? Yeah, there's so many ways to, to start with that. So, I mean, 2020 by far definitely was the best year of my life. I met my fiance. Yeah, so, congrats. So that, that was amazing. Yeah. And, you know, we're around amazing people just doing great things and also in a great work environment. I was fortunate to be a part of a company that made it through a tough time and came out strong on the other end. And I, and I watched a lot of things change for the better and just good growth happen. And especially in, in, like I said earlier on in that software business, you know, that's been really inspiring to watch and see the innovation happen there, right? Like my job is essentially to bring people together to facilitate the right conversations and figure out where we need to go. What problems can we solve for these operators, service companies? Most of the time it's pretty open-ended and we leave every meeting with pretty key takeaways of what, where we can take this next. And we have a follow-up. Everybody gets excited about, okay, well, is this what they wanted? Did we do it quick enough? Can we do more? What's next? Right? Mm-hmm. It's always about what's next. Yeah. We've got this pipeline of innovation that's just never ending. Yeah. So that's been extremely fun to be a part of and, and just innovative. And just, I think the environment of the world, but especially in energy and oil and gas has been really cool to create those opportunities because everybody's in it and kind of things got shook up right? yeah and it was the best thing that ever happened you know obviously there's some negative effects but the, the, the positives out of it have, have been 
probably more incredible than anyone really would have ever really imagined if you look at it the right in the right way. So. Well, that and that's I think where we need to. I'd like to keep going down that path. Is like from your observations, what have whether it's personally or just as an industry, what are some of the silver linings that have come out of the most you know recent, arguably one of the most recent challenging downturns. Yeah. And I mean, how can you speak on that? Because I think it's a lot deeper than that. And you've explained it. But yeah, so just yeah, I want to get kind of hear your thoughts more on just a bit more as to why. Yeah, I mean, it's no secret, obviously, oil and gas is going digital. And there's so many companies doing an amazing job of that. And it's consolidating, the industry is consolidating at a rapid pace. There's there's policies going in place around the world that are changing the way things are being done. And I think the importance of energy is is obviously going to be really realized here going into this winter, especially and just into the future in general, as we as we meet all these ambitious goals of the global governments that we that are coming out. It's like, how does it all come together, right? Like, obviously, everything we're doing in North America, especially in Texas, is it plays a key role in that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's fun to be right in the center of that. So I don't know, I got to really sit back and think a lot of times because the best part is the unknown. I love the change and the uncomfortable feeling of, of where kind of the, the world's in a very uncomfortable feeling. And it drives, it drives change. It drives change for the better. Yeah. And, you know, I'm about to turn 30 years old next week and I feel like I'm at the forefront of that. Yeah. And I'm taking on that next decade of like, okay, what, where's my place in all this? Right. And I have to be progressing. And I, and I am, I just, I need to be patient, but I need to be, continue to be around the right people and then create the right environments. And I think I do a pretty good job of that. And I, I've have fun doing it. Yeah, no, you certainly do. You're always, you're always having fun. I feel like. You mentioned a lot about being around the right people, being around mentors. I think it's for a lot of people, it's hard to identify who those people are. But I mean, how do you go about when you meet somebody? I mean, is there a sort of like a mental checklist that kind of you say, you know what, like this person? Yeah, th- this person's a hell yeah. And I really want to gravitate towards this person and really, you know, spend a lot of time with them and absorb through osmosis, you know, whether it's their knowledge, their wisdom, you know, their attitude, their leadership skills that I can take and and hopefully pass on to people that work around me. Like, how do you see that? Because I I think it's somewhat of a skill because a lot of people, you know, they say you're the average of the five people you hang around the most, or perhaps, you know, you listen to the most or you talk to the most. You've obviously set yourself up around a community of people that are very like-minded, but like, how do you identify those people? Because I think a lot, especially for the younger folks, and, and maybe that's where I'm going with this is I think because you are, you're still in your 20s as of, you know, today. But I think a lot of kids in their 20s could look up to you and and probably get a lot of wisdom, even though it's you're still only turning 30. But you've experienced a lot. But for those who are still kind of trying to find those people to be around to help uplift them, maybe they come from a crappy home or maybe their friends are still, you know, working at some odd job and they're trying to, you know, excel in their careers or in their personal lives, but kind of feel stuck still. What can you say for a lot of those folks? Well, I mean, find people that are fun, positive, inspiring to be around and and motivated, right? Like, I don't have time for people that are always complaining about things. There's so many things that you're not in control of, but you're definitely in control of the information that you consume to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. And you're in control of the people that you spend time with, right? Like, I, and to find, like, what are the right people to spend time with? Well, that's going to be different for everybody, but what do you love doing, right? Like, Steph and I, my fiance, we connected instantly because it was like, we just love doing the same things. We were 
both looking for that person in our lives to just live life together and, and just yeah. go on this adventure, right? And it's just never a dull moment. And we choose to be around people that are like that as well. And we also create that environment, right? Like right. people gravitate towards that because, you know, there's people in Houston that do more than just going to the bar, right? And yeah. there's, turns out there's actually some pretty cool activities to do within an hour of the city that people would have never thought about. Yeah. And just, you know, getting out and traveling and, and, and find people that are successful and just, I mean, the word success is, is you know, defined so many different ways, but people that are successful, happy and, and, and doing things that they love and, mm -hmm. and just life is grand because they create that space for that. Yeah. I found those early on, like when I was going to school, I always looked up to the leadership in the school, like, you know, you know, whether it was people leading the programs or professors or alumni that would come in and, you know, I would get connected in so many different ways and seek those people out and make an effort to go say hi, introduce myself and just be present and just, you know, I forget who it was. Some, one of our mentors or, or teachers or professors, something back in early on, I think in the, in Calgary, when I was going to school there and, and at SAIT, like just all you got to do is just just show up just yeah. be there right yeah. <laughs> you don't have to just be there be present be ready to go be ready to work and the right people will gravitate towards you and you'll gravitate towards the right people just because of that you know you you put off that that vibe right yeah you have that environment so it's going to be different for everybody of right? course so i just think Find people that you can have fun with. And especially, you know, life partner wise too. Like I'd feel so fortunate to have met, you know, Steph later on. And I don't like saying later on in life, but we did. We met a little <laughs> later on in life, you know, sure. been through the, you know, the early years of your early twenties and, you know, mid twenties and you learn who you are and you figure out where you're going and, you know, at least figure out your direction and whatever. And, yeah. and, and you know exactly what you want. And it's just amazing how fast that can develop and, and turn into such a great thing. I think that principle can be applied to much more than just a relationship, right? I think that can be applied to everything in life and just really focus on where you want to go and, and what gets you excited. And if you don't know what gets you excited, be around people that are excited and positive and maybe you'll learn something. From yeah. <laughs> I love inspiring people. Maybe they didn't know they could you know, go camping places or, or go biking or wherever and, you know, do road trips places. And, yeah. you know, I feel like I've done more in Texas over the last two years than most people have that grew up here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I, I agree. I mean, <laughs> if you follow and well, I'll put the link in the show notes actually for your Instagram page and the business page, which we're going to we'll talk about that here shortly. But yeah, just the photography and some of the cool scenery and the places you go. And as I'm saying, it's like, I'm pretty sure you don't like, yeah, it's just a crazy how much land and space that you take up in a short period of time because I feel like it's everywhere. I was like, do you teleport to different places? Because like you're here, there and everywhere, man. It's so, so crazy, but it's so cool, right? Like I think yeah. it's and then again, finding someone who who aligns with that and supports it. And, you know, one morning she gets fired up about wanting to go somewhere as I could see you just throwing on your shoes and getting packed up. It's like, all right, let's do this. You know, there's no resistance to, you know, excitement and getting after it. So Be, being spontaneous so, er, yeah. early on, it was like, we went and had a little barbecue with our friends out in the woodlands. The, when Steph and I early on, when we just met Yeah. and you know, the next morning we're like, want to go camping on the beach, you know, just South of Houston. Sure. Let's go. We loaded up, went back, grabbed our stuff and 
you know, here we are, four of us camping on the beach, just literally decided the day of. Yeah, no, and, that's you know, so All cool. the things we do are usually very spontaneous. We plan things ahead, obviously. Yeah. But then that transfers over to the business world too, right? Like, yeah. you got to have a plan. You got to have a forecast, a goal, all that, all that stuff. But it's, it's the most spontaneous things that come up by putting yourself out there, especially in my role of, you know, sales and business development stuff. If I apply those same principles from my personal life, adventurous, you know, ways of living and all that to my day to day, that's when I find the most success. Mm. And it's a challenge. Most There's a lot of days where I wake up and I may not have anything scheduled or have any idea what I'm going to do that day. Yeah. And then I end up at some event or meeting somebody that I didn't plan on getting together with or whatever. And it turns into something super productive. Yeah. What's the most spontaneous thing you've done recently, you think? Recently? Well, really recently, we were we were planning on doing a trip to Canada to go visit friends and, and whatnot. And then literally like, and I was going to go to a work conference there, the Global Energy Show, and, and it, it got canceled like two days or three days before. Mm. So I was like, well, can't, no point going to Calgary, it's shutting, shutting down again. So we literally decided the same, like that day, we're like, let's just go to Arkansas for the weekend. Let's, or let's, let's go through Oklahoma and, and, and Arkansas for two or three days and just, what? you know, or whatever it was. And we literally just loaded up, had no idea. We booked a campsite last minute, ended up at this epic place in Eastern Oklahoma really? on this unreal lake. And where, where was it called? It's Remember? called Beaver's Bend State Park. Okay. And Eastern Oklahoma, apparently there's nice lakes and mountains, not mountains, like Canadian yeah, mountains, but, yeah, yeah. but you know, it was absolutely beautiful. It turned out to be this most the most incredible camping spot. No way. And it wasn't very far away from here at all. Yeah. You know, whatever, five hours or whatever it was. And that was literally decided just right then. Yeah. I really looked at the map. That camp spot's available. Let's pick it. We have no idea what it's going to look like. Let's just get there, see what happens. Bring the bikes, bring the tent. Yeah. And <laughs> that's so awesome, Just man. go. But... <laughs> I mean, that's recently, if I go back a little ways into the Montana days, I mean, the spontaneous stuff seemed to happen weekly. And it was like, oh, it snowed. Let's go up to that mountain, see if we can go ski or, you know, it turns out to be awesome. Or, you know, you, you go camp or bike somewhere, go on a road trip to somewhere you hadn't been and, and just experience something incredible that you didn't even know was there, you know, whatever. So Yeah, no, that's awesome. Man. And like I said, for everyone out there, follow John on Instagram and well, LinkedIn, of course, too. But it's always good entertainment. And it's it's inspiring too to, to see everything that you do. We were talking a little bit about people and I want to stay on that subject before we move on. We talked a little bit about before we, before we started recording about, you know, our industry, the direction it's going, you know, even looking at it from like, corporate cultures, you know, corporate as an example, who's here in the Canons building, they've set themselves up for, you know, a certain culture that it's fun, it's innovative, it's technology, it's, you know, you, you walk in and there's big screens and it, and it feels like you're going into, again, like somewhere's maybe almost like NASA's tech center or something, you know, everyone's Corvinauts this and this and that. And, and it's really cool. And, and I think they've kind of disrupted the space a little bit with, from a culture, digitalization, technology, innovation standpoint. You mentioned Marathon's office is pretty cool. It seems like companies are shifting to attract people and to have people that otherwise may be hesitant to get into oil and gas look at companies like that and be like, okay, that, like I can align with that. Like, they're not just punching holes in the ground and people from, you know, middle of nowhere, Texas that I'm working for. It's, you know, people like you and I are in these environments. Where do you see the direction going on that? And then do you feel like a lot of, and again, cause you're still relatively long, you probably, 
you know, maybe associate with people that are still in school or recent graduates, but do you see a shift of people leaving oil and gas? Or do you think with us sort of pivoting and companies redoing their offices, maybe the, you know, getting their culture to a position that's attractive for a lot of people, is that going to remain a challenge or do you see that really kind of bringing in the next wave of talent. Can you speak on that? I think it'll bring in the next wave of talent. I mean, like I said, I always see the positive in it, but it's inspiring to see a lot of these companies doing that and leading leading that forefront, I guess. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we need to change public perception of oil and gas specifically, but just energy as a whole. Most people aren't very educated on where energy comes from or how energy even works. Yeah. They just hear the headlines, you know, there's bad news all the time coming out about oil and gas and everything related to fossil fuels and whatever and this the globe now pretty much has this desire to electrify everything which is great and cool and stuff but like nobody really knows you know the younger generation anyways has no idea where electricity even comes from right and you know i think you know these companies that are doing a good job of creating that environment for younger people to come in and 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 you know go to the universities and educate in high schools and elementary schools and I know you know OGGN does that and goes into schools and educate the young people right because if they just do it the the old school way or whatever they don't really know how anything works and they kind of just go on with their day to day you know they'll never really understand and if the companies continue on the way they have been for the last you know whatever it's been they won't attract the right people to be around. They won't be able to innovate. And just, you know, the negative outcomes of that are, are just no good. So it's, mm-hmm. I think it's it's good. I mean, Houston's doing a good job, right? Like I've only been in Texas for a few years and you look around Houston and there's all, a whole bunch of new co-working spaces and office buildings that are geared towards that yeah. new environment and, and companies that are popping up all over the place doing that. I just think it starts with conversations like this and then just general day-to-day, general public stuff. You're not going to change the media they're always going to have their negativity and, and, yeah. and, you know, that's just how it is. But if you go in and just educate people on how things work and, and create that environment, I think it's going in a good direction. Yeah. I, I think people will, students, and I've, I've watched students personally that I've been able to mentor a little bit, you know, maybe didn't think there was opportunity in oil and gas and, and now they're doing extremely well. Mm. You know, there's a few examples of that. And, and I think the schools too are doing a good job of like, not rebranding, but like, changing the way the programs operate like you don't the way that you go through a, an engineering program and, and energy or petroleum engineering or whatever now it should be different than it was for sure 10 20 years ago obviously yeah and the core principles of that are changing and, and you know there's good mentorship from you know industry leaders that are helping influence those organizations to do that and it's going to take time though yeah <laughs> it's it's just interesting to watch and there's just so much information that people are absorbing so fast that nobody seems to yeah know what they're making their decisions based off of because it's just this quick information that just <laughs> clickbait type of stuff headlines and you know the, the the world's in chaos all the time and and everybody's confused right so no that's i i think that's a great word to define what is going on right now is everyone's confused and whether that's with covid stuff whether that's with oil and gas whether it's with energy in general it's just there's such a mass amount of information that it can be overloading. And then you really have no idea. And then you you sort of like, okay, well, I think I align with this camp. And then everything sort of like these little camps get developed. And then 
with the way technology works is it feeds you kind of what you're already looking at. So if you keep looking at dance videos on TikTok, all these dance videos are going to come up. Or if you keep looking at COVID, you know, whatever, then all this COVID stuff keeps. So it's, yeah, you, you kind of like dig your own ditch and then it's hard to get out of that or see other perspectives unless you hang around people who have opposing views. And that's what I always try and do is I don't watch the news, but, but when I did even younger, I don't know if it was just intuition or what, but I would watch different news channels every morning and I started sort of observing. I'm like, it's weird how they're each creating different narratives based off similar facts. And then, so then I was like, wow. So, you know, I would talk to one person about one subject who is leaning hard one way, talk to another, and then hopefully drawing my own conclusions. And so, but it's hard. And and I think oil and gas were a lot of times we do that as we preach to the choir, right? It's like, you know, you and I both, you know, we don't like renewables. So we're just going to sit here and talk amongst each other about how much we hate renewables. But if you really want to make change or make an impact, go fly to California and go sit in like a, you know, coffee shop there and then start talking to people about energy. And, and, you know, if you've got a level of compassion and empathy and kindness, hopefully you can at least provide some information to get people thinking about things differently. You may not change your mind right there, but at least get them to say, hmm, I never thought of it like that. Let me do yeah. some research. Yeah, see, see the big picture. I'm actually re- reading a book on that right now. I'm just early on into okay. it. Okay, what's it called? It's called See the Big Picture. Oh, okay. I, I honestly forget the author. I just no worries. Read it. But yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting for sure. But yeah, like I grew up on the West Coast, Vancouver, BC. Very, you know, not too educated on on how energy works. And, yeah. and I grew up in that environment. I didn't know much about oil and gas specifically until I moved to Alberta to go work. But yeah, I mean, I see things from different perspectives all the time. And I mean, I mean, anybody can agree with, we need all forms of energy, mm-hmm. renewable energy, everything is, is key to the future of, of where the where the world's going. Yeah. And, and having those conversations, right, with, with the, and, and seeing it from different perspectives, for sure. It's a challenge, but just just present some facts and, you know, have educational conversations and don't yeah. try to beat people down and stuff, but just, I don't know, share facts. I yeah. Guess. It's, or just be positive and don't try to like you're always right or you're wrong or this, so this div- division that goes on is just insane i know and social media and just the media in general is doing an incredible job of, of dividing people <laughs> yeah. especially through the last year and a half i mean it's just I crazy know. like there's no there's no logic to it at all it's like how, how does anything make any sense but here we are right? yeah and yeah it, it's gonna take an army of people to really help change public perception on things and right. and until it hits people you know until things hit you personally or it hits your pocketbook or whatever it, it that's when people start to kind of wake up a little bit but even then like it, yeah. it's hard to have those conversations it is but you, you know what's interesting that i've seen and this is recent so companies and i said this like if you go back in the early days of this podcast i said i, I think that oil and gas companies are going to eventually rebrand and reposition themselves as energy companies and i think what's the one in total energies total energy but and so in dallas there's oh hunt that's the one i don't know what i was doing i was researching hunt oil and gas or whatever but i didn't realize even before this huge push they were actually had different business units that were involved with the utility side with the renewable side mm-hmm. and and they had sort of i don't know if they had a vision or or they just wanted maybe the leadership and, and the, the founders of whoever run the company say, we want to be energy providers and, and we're going to obviously leverage oil and gas. We're going to leverage this. We're going to leverage that and create, you know, a company that creates value for our shareholders and each arm is going to do well. And we're not going to just 
pigeonhole ourselves in as oil and gas companies. I thought that was kind of interesting. I was like, oh, you know what? I'd never seen that before. And then here we are today, and you're starting to see a lot of, you know, traditional oil and gas companies, you know, start to dabble into whether it's, you know, the wind or solar or, you know, carbon capture is a big one, but, but really sort of embracing this ESG movement, which again, there's a lot of argument to be had on that. A lot of people think it's a bunch of smoke and mirrors. A lot of people obviously are doing it to follow the environment, you know, the investment community are big on it. It's like, unless you have, you know, you meet this criteria, you know, we're pulling out or whatever the case is. But the fact of the matter is, is there's companies and like one of, I was in a customer's office Monday morning and I'm sitting there having coffee with one of the drilling engineers and a guy walks up and we kind of look at each other in second take and he says, Justin, yeah, you know, hey, Simon, how you doing, blah, blah, blah. And we played hockey at the Hack and Whack there a few <laughs> times. And he's buddy from Calgary. And so, of course, we hit it off. And I said, man, I said, the last time we had coffee, I said, you were doing, you know, he was doing something. I forget what it was. And I said, how'd you end up here? And he's like, oh, I'm working on the renewable side here at, you know, the company. And I was like, what? Because they're just a small oil and gas company downtown, always drilled and operated in the, in the mid-con there in Oklahoma. I said, they have a renewables division he said yeah just we just basically kicked it off a few months ago and i'm working on the land side of it and so here's this like little small oil and gas company that these two younger guys one guy in new york this other guy who i think may have been relatives to either the ceo or one of the owners came to them with a business plan is like hey here's an opportunity to get into the renewable side it looks great for the pr but we also think there's opportunity here as a business to get into that space and so now they treat it like it's almost like royalties. So it's more of like a land type of development where they go and they, they look for, you know, potential land to have these solar wind projects be developed on. And so they're talking to landowners and a lot of the same process that goes into, you know, land for oil and gas, but they're doing it for the renewable space. I was like, okay, like that's kind of neat. Like, you know, people are raising that. And then you look at, so, you know, Pioneer recently bought Parsley and then Matt Gallagher is the CEO there. Well, he broke off and built a team around a company now called Green Lake Energy Ventures. They're in Austin, operating in the Permian. But if you look at their website, it doesn't look like an oil and gas website. They've got, you know, they've got pictures of, they've got different arms of it. One of it being oil and gas, one of it's renewables. So like they're in the, the whole renewable space as well. And so they're being integrated energy companies. And that's just two examples, but that's as of recently. And so I think what we're going to see more is that integration to where, you know, people say the environmental activists that are looking to get jobs, hopefully people like Green Lake Energy can hire those people and then, oh, hey, they're also an oil and gas company. And then next thing you know, you've got, you know, this coexistence of, you know, this side versus that side, which is really it should just be one side is energy. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't be this or that. It's is and that and that because we need it all. Yeah. But I think that shift that we're seeing is super refreshing. And I think that's what's going to help save the oil and gas side oh, of things. for sure. That's going to be over the next 10 years. I mean, for sure, that's going to be a huge driver. I mean, it's happening so rapidly. And it's also being accelerated by this big industry consolidation going on. I mean, the yeah. mergers and acquisitions that are happening at such a rapid pace creates a better environment for that, right? There's less less companies to make those changes and and they're you know their new companies are developing out of the out of all those and yeah that's where people want to be involved too especially when you talk about capturing you know young talent and stuff right like that's yeah. you're gonna 
you're going to get more people to go to that type of an environment than, than a traditional company, right? And there's so many ways. I mean, there's just, I've learned so much about that over the last year and a half. I, I didn't, you know, my mentors have been a, done a really good job of kind of pushing me to branch out and think outside the box and outside of just where I thought I might be going or, or whatever. And then, and then the world's done a great job of that too, with bringing it to the forefront of, yeah. of everything. And I mean, I didn't, I don't think many people knew much about hydrogen and geothermal and all those things that are moving at such a rapid pace, carbon capture, all these things that are going to be a very big part of every energy company moving forward. And, yeah. and then addressing all the infrastructure challenges and data challenges and all these different things. And like, even what we're doing at Frack Pro, like things like that, that are going to be so relevant to much more than just completions data that's going to yeah. go across multiple different industries eventually that all that type of technology and the way of, of collecting data and using it and all that and it already is but yeah energy companies for sure like that's where i see myself in the future for sure is is, is you know i'm not just going to be doing the same thing forever i want to be involved in companies that are innovating and growing and and, and bringing all the th- you know every piece of the puzzle together like that and yeah it's happening. It's happening real fast. It is. And, and you see a lot. I mean, in Europe, they've been doing it forever. Like you look at Equinor. Yeah. Like they're one of, you know, a huge offshore wind company in as much as they are drilling for oil and gas. Now they're slowly starting to lean one way, you know, vert more with silver as the other. You get Shell, you know, BP, of course, you know, there are a lot of people are doing it. But the argument there is, is just at the end of the day, people are in business to create value for shareholders and those shareholders want profits. Yeah. So that's where I think it's it's the, the lag and then the, the challenge may come. Now, the cost of capital for those types of projects, from what I understand, and, and I'm sure someone will fact check me, but I'm pretty sure the cost of capital for deploying and, and gaining access to capital for those types of projects is a little less, and they make it harder for people to, you know, people are more likely to give money for an offshore wind farm or a solar farm or whatever than they are to say, hey, we're going to go explore some wildcat wells and wherever it is in Alaska. <laughs> so... Again, from the finance and economic side of things, I've seen that being somewhat of a challenge. But, you know, as companies develop economies of scale, you know, for whether it's manufacturing or just being more efficient and figuring out, you know, especially energy storage is a big one. The interesting thing will be, is it going to generate the returns that people expect? And once oil and gas companies, which they are generating free cash flow and people are now making money again, at least they are in the last few quarters, Will the money, I mean, because the attention goes where the money flows. Mm-hmm. And so if people are making money on the oil and gas side of things, you know, is it going to slow that down? I don't think so, just because I think the public perception and, and you have so many activists and organizations that are supporting it. And, and again, there's a lot of money out there to support these projects, even that they may, you know, not generate as much returns, but they know for the greater good, it's the right decision. So again, that that's what I'm interested in seeing how all that plays out. Because arguably, I mean, I was reading, and this is public knowledge on, I think it was Hard Energy. They did a report on EOG and EOG was saying that even though like last year it was easy to, I say easy, it was, it was easier to generate profits and generate free cash flow because service costs were still down and then oil prices came up. So there was that gap of, okay, we're still able to drill and complete cheap, relatively speaking. Oil prices are up so that, you know, our margins are a lot better. Well, now companies, arguably, a lot of service companies have had to increase costs because of the supply chain disruptions, demands going up, suppliers are constrained. Okay. So anyway, you know, all that kind of stuff plays into, okay, service costs are now increasing. So then I thought, well, hell, then, you know, 2022 is not going to be quite as profitable as everyone thought, unless oil goes to 100 
dollars or whatever it is, 80, 90, a hundred dollars, well then service costs are still going to go up. So, but what they were saying is the offset of how efficient they've gone actually offsets the cost, the increase in service costs. And I think that's one thing that, you know, through the last couple of years is really apparent is that like the amount of horsepower and iron it takes to drill and complete wells is like a fraction of what it was in the past. And I was talking to a good buddy of mine up in Canada, Jeff Kidd, who's a completions engineer for Chevron. And he said that the last two pads that they drilled and completed up in Kitimat, you know, his team really got together and was like, how can we disrupt this? And like, not only shave like maybe six, 7% off our completion cost, but how can we cut it by like 20%, 30%? They're like, there's no way. Well, they freaking did got after it and they got with the right service companies who are, you know, progressive in the way they're thinking and kind of like sort of like wipe the whiteboard clean and say, okay, let's start from the front. Like, how can we, can we do this cheaper? Can we do this cheaper or more efficient? And it sounds like they were able to knock off like 20, almost 30% of their completion costs over two pads, which is insane. And you're talking millions and millions of dollars. So, so that part of it, it just, again, like it's like people are forced now to like, how can we really drive the cost down to still remain profitable? Because, yeah. you know, arguably speaking within unconventionals, it's been this, just this rat race of, you know, drill, complete, increased production, and hopefully there's a little bit of money left over to give to shareholders, which there wasn't much. But I think now they're starting to figure that out, which is really cool. And I think it presents a lot of opportunities for service guys like you and I. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. yeah but, it's very exciting to see. Yeah. No, it, it is. And so I want to pivot a little bit, talking about business and everything else. You've recently got into the entrepreneurial space, <laughs> which is cool. And and for those of you have maybe have seen tents on the top of you know, a white Audi ripping around town, TASA, then to another successful adventure, right? Like, talk about that. How did you get it started? What is it? Now's your chance to use a megaphone to tell everyone about this. The One of the coolest things that I've seen in a long time. <laughs> Just a passion project that turned into a little side business. I, I mean, so friends of ours, uh, Chad and Steph, that moved down from Calgary as well, they, they were, you know, it was nice when they showed up in town because it was more people to go do stuff like that with and get out and do adventures. And, and they showed up with this, this rooftop tent. Yeah. And I'd never even heard about one before. And I, I was kind of over camping. Like, I don't really like sleeping in a tent on the ground. And uh, <laughs> it was, I was over that. Yeah. So we go down to the beach a few times. They're just outside of Houston here, camping on the beach with these, they had their rooftop tent and I was sleeping on the ground. And, and then it, people would come by like stopping us and like, Hey, what, what is that? Like I, looking inside, like I've never heard of one of these before. And it's a relatively newer thing to Texas, I guess. And so we're like, man, there's sure a lot of people asking us about these. Like, why don't we just have our own business selling these, these rooftop tents? Like, let's, yeah. and so Chad, you know, he's a mechanical engineer, real, you know, real mechanical engineer kind of guy that like knows how to design things and, and yeah. lean on him for that for sure. So he was happy with the design of what we had and worked with our manufacturer to bring them in and, you know, be the distributor, our rooftop tents here in the U.S. and you know, all over the place, I guess. And it's been a blast. Like we've watched that business grow. It's, it's, we've had our supply chain problems, obviously, just like everybody. We haven't been able to grow as quickly as we want. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a fun project. Two couples together kind of just spreading the word of rooftop tents and what, where you, what you can do in these tents and how comfortable they are, what kind of vehicles they can go on and, yeah. and, and just and trying to share the message of what, where you can go. Right. Like we, we noticed in, in Texas, like we go 
or you know Chad and Steph or Chad's wife is his her name is Steph as well and then my fiance's name is okay. Steph. so there's two Stephs involved there but yeah. Chad and Steph grew up and they grew up in Calgary and I grew up in Vancouver and you yeah. know we're Montana and all that we're used to the western states and provinces where you got all this free land to camp and do things and whatnot in Texas it's a little harder with all the private land but yet there's still a plenty of access to a lot of cool places even within just in Houston here that people would have no idea about so the message of the brand was to like let's help people get out like let's help them get outside and and you know get out of the city and and you know go camp somewhere cool and do a, do something different right like you don't just have to do it the same way and drive or fly or whatever far and stay in hotels and stuff you can you can go have your own beachfront place here on in a rooftop tent you know, less than an hour outside of Houston for yeah. free, staying on the beach and you make a fire, bring your own food and drinks. And it's, it's a blast, right? Yeah, like, man, that sounds so, yeah. We're trying to share the message of where to go and what, you know, and, and inspire people, right? Like a lot of people don't know what you can do, especially in Texas. Yeah. And it's just been, you know, we, we love it. We love inspiring people and it's cool to see that community grow. Yeah. So that's great, yeah. man. So what's, what's the most gratifying thing about being an entrepreneur? that you've experienced uh, in this case it's it's getting to see you know inspire people to do the things that we love doing yeah and then just you know having a core you know really close group of friends seeing something succeed and, and sharing ideas and and just being in charge of what where we want it to go yeah and it's fine it's a super small scale it's just a little side you know weekend hobby kind of thing but the possibilities of where something like that can go is is pretty unlimited and yeah and then we also have the idea of like well i, I mean to another successful adventure in, in whatever right like it doesn't yeah. have to just be in in rooftop tents it can be in any <laughs> in anything right so yeah. who knows where that develops and whatnot but yeah but yeah what what is the few i mean have you guys talked about grand vision for for well we joked around chad and i at first we're like well what, to another successful adventure in energy right like we're yeah. both involved in energy he's a very innovative guy always developing something new at the companies he's with and yeah we're both what's next kind of guys and you know we we love the adventure space but who knows like i think we'll just continue to do what we're doing show up be around and, and yeah. have good conversations on the campfire nice. with our rooftop tents and and i think i'm not sure what the immediate next steps are but you know they'll present themselves oh yeah so yeah no that's great man i love it and it sounds like you got a good partner there and you guys both you know your mission and vision and values align which you know makes it pretty hopefully somewhat seamless to conduct business so yeah that's fine yeah good for you man what's been the biggest challenge <laughs> to doing this global supply chain and shipping yeah so bringing stock in is is challenging and then getting you know when we have customers that purchase in you know montana or calgary or wherever like just trying to truck things or whatever now it's <laughs> yeah. just prices are going up and you know I think everybody that has a product or, or any kind of service that relies on the supply chain is, is feeling that. So mm -hmm. it'll be interesting. I, I don't, sounds like that's not going to change anytime soon here. That's yeah. See, I've, everything I've read has been, yeah. Fasten your seatbelt. Cause we're in this for a while. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting thing to balance global shipping containers or short supply. All it is. And, and you know, I wonder in hearing that and this has kind of been on the top of my head, I've never really talked about it, but I wonder if that's going to spur local manufacturing to pick back up again. Because we've been so dependent on global supply chain, and rightfully so. Like Global supply chain and, and, and these freight companies really have been operating off pretty thin margins, I think, ever since 2008. 
you know, from what I've read again, and I'm no expert in, in macroeconomics and supply chain, but from what I've read, it sounds like since that major, you know, event and, and that we've experienced since the 2008, you know, crisis, freight companies have been basically trying to give work away to keep up with demand and, and really, you know, they got squeezed, but now they're starting to put some money back in their pocketbooks, which is making it tough on consumers, obviously, mm-hmm. and just for business in general, like yourselves to, to conduct business. I would imagine that you're talking about global supply chain. I would imagine stuff comes from overseas. You're not, you know, handcrafting in here in the U.S. Because if you did, you'd probably have to charge eight times as much. But at the end of the day, like, I just wonder if maybe there, there's a pivot there for companies, whether it's big, small, or in the middle, to start, you know, bringing manufacturing back domestically. And if they can get the cost right, like maybe that, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, again, I don't, I'm not educated on that enough to have a good opinion on it, especially with overseas manufacturing and whatnot. But I mean, obviously there's a reason everything's outsourced and hopefully, yeah, it'd be great to see more domestic manufacturing happen. I mean, that would be great for us if we could, Yeah, it's hard to figure out how to manufacture and even just and what you see today to day to day in oil and gas too, like maybe if there's more things that could be manufactured domestically that could help out with, you know, cost of certain things and, and we could put, you know, spend money on different better technologies or, you know, in my case, better propants or whatever. You can put better materials in these wells, get better wells if you could do things a little differently. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That'd be very <laughs> interesting to watch. I think it's the next five years in the world will be very interesting, exciting and very opportunistic and uh, yeah 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 no get your popcorn ready and be yeah. ready be ready for anything yeah you and, gotta love a good crisis right? yeah <laughs> you, you can't you can't when there's blood in the streets that's when things get exciting and yeah, i know, know it's yeah so very excited for the future big things to come on on all ends in, in energy and, and it, you know rooftop tents and adventures yeah. and you know there's it's it's never been easier to get your message out there these days and right have a voice and these podcasts is crazy. Like I never even, I never used to listen to podcasts. I don't know when I started, maybe a few years ago or whatever. Yeah. And like now I'll go on a drive, a six hour drive or something. I don't even listen to music. I know. I'm the same. Yeah. One after the other, you know, there's just, the list goes on and on. I'm I'm going for lunch today with, with JP Warren. I'm sure most people have heard his name. Oh yeah. And I'm sure we'll have a great discussion and, you know, maybe I'll end up on another podcast or whatever too, right? Like, (laughs) you know, and then it's the podcast, the oil and gas podcast tour. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And a lot of guys do that. Like you, you see their names and they're on like five different podcasts, but yeah, what a better way to get your message out, right? Yeah. Whatever it is, right. In your industry and your passion, you can start your own podcast, whatever it is. And and people love consuming good information and hearing good conversations. I hope these conversations are inspiring to people and informative and stuff. And I'm sure they are. You know what, even if, and and the way I explained it to someone who was trying to start a podcast, as I said, like people are so obsessed with, well, how many downloads, how many this, how many that. And it's, you need to be able to measure things to gauge performance, right? Like if you're not gaining followers, you're not gaining anything, then, then then you're somewhat stagnant. But at the end of the day, depending on what the purpose is, and if the purpose is to influence, educate, inform, and just provide good information, even if you have one listener mm-hmm. whose mind changes or if you've inspired, that's worth it. At least yeah. it is for me. Like I know at least two people listen to it, myself and my mom. And then if my mom gets something out of it, then good. And if, you know, if you have other, you know, hundreds or 
thousands or however many people listen to it, even better. But to just for me to have these conversations and to share them with people, like I told the gentleman who was starting a podcast, I said, if you change one person's mind or if you can help one person, if you have one listener from now to the rest of your life, you're helping that person who's then helping someone else, who's then helping someone else. So I don't think people quite understand like the domino and the chain effect of like by influencing or, or helping someone. Yeah. That's all that matters. Yeah. And so it's exactly. like, and, and if you enjoy it and you love it, then get after it. You know same, what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And the same goes for business. I mean, your, your companies you're involved in, you just try to help, you know, one person every day, every, every week or whatever, one company, learn something new, Yeah, get your message out there and, and just, you know, be patient. To, yeah. <laughs> that's always hard, but right. Yeah. I've watched a lot of podcasts blow up over the last couple of years. And yeah. It's fantastic. It's, and I think uh, that there's such a, and I think now, like if you want to be successful in podcasting, again, successful can be defined so many different ways. I think going extremely narrow yeah. is, is the right way to go. And, and, you know, again, mine, it's like, I, I don't know if I was talking to you. It's like, mine's like a box of chocolates. Like, you could pop it open one time and talk about Mike Morawski going to jail who lives in Chicago who has nothing to do with oil and gas. And then, you know, you and I talk about, you know, whatever it is we've talked about. There's been a bunch of different things. Uh, and then you get the CEO of Corva. I mean, it's just you never know, which is kind of fun. But at yeah. the end of the day, too, it's I think now if you get niche, like if you want to, you know, have a podcast talking about blueberries that are grown in California at a certain farm, like build a small community and then expand from there. Yeah. That would be like, people are like, oh, I want to start a podcast and Again, strictly my opinion, I have no like data to suggest that like what I'm saying is accurate or right. But I think going narrow and building a small community is is good rather than trying to build a podcast and become the next Joe Rogan in the next year mm-hmm. or something. Because that's not going to happen. But um, I'm such a podcast advocate. I tell everyone and their dog to start a podcast. My wife's starting a podcast here with with a lady up in New York about real estate. And so she's just like, yeah, I've seen what it's done for you. And like, I want to do it. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's underpriced and it's. I mean, undervalued, like it's yeah. get after it. Exactly. And you learn so many good things. <laughs> yeah. So many different people's perspectives. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's free. Like you just tune into yeah. any of these. Things. I know it's insane. It's unreal. Yeah, it yeah. is. No, it's great. Well, John, I don't want to take up more of your time. We're bumped up close to an hour here. I know you got to beat the streets running and gunning nonstop, John. So <laughs> the downtown John is what, what I like to call him. So um, man, if now's your chance, if there's anything else, anything on your mind, anything you want to share, any, whether it's, you know, the latest and greatest, you know, whatever meme you've seen or show on Netflix you've been watching, like what, what's like finish up with something? What, what, what's on the mind? Huh? What's on my mind? That's a tough one. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm turning 30 next week. So and, where, uh, are you having a big party? Or are you guys yeah, going camping? Do, or? We're going to do a uh, backyard barbecue kind of thing. Yeah. Pool, pool party. And nice. Get a bunch you of go. people together. But good, good, yeah, good. Ready to embrace the next decade. And, and to here's another successful yeah, adventure. Another, and for everyone holding a drink up there, virtual cheers to John and his 30th birthday. <laughs> appreciate it yeah yeah just you know keep an eye on all of our stuff right like the the tass outdoors company super along with on the instagram there what's the instagram handle again it's just at tassa outdoors t-a-s-a outdoors yeah and then you know in my my day-to-day too, keep up to date with that what's happening at frac pro and and carbo a lot of exciting things there and yeah you know any operator or service company can get some value out of that and we love to work with with anybody to solve problems so yeah really excited about all that too. awesome so, we'll put the yeah. link in the show notes that way people can scroll down and access it and john the last question i have is well let's see here i got a few of them but this one's pretty standard it's always interesting but 
what's something about yourself that not many people know about? Do you got any like good hidden secrets or something that you know, kind of makes you chuckle deep down? Maybe only like your, your brother or sister know about you. And is this something that would be interesting uh, to share? I don't know. I think last time I might've mentioned about singing and stuff. And you had oh, me, that's right. You had me do that. But yeah. I don't know. That's I mean, right. I think most people know that I'm pretty big into photography and stuff. Yeah. But like, but didn't you don't you sell your photography? Yeah, I mean it's it's a again just kind of a hobby. Don't thing. downplay like I, it, John. You got some of the nicest photography out there. I, I you know I like yeah I like to get get my photos out there. And I've recently got into the drone stuff over the last. Yeah, you know, dude, you make like again. I really encourage people to follow John on Instagram. You got some really, and I'm saying this sincerely. You got some really neat art pictures. Your flyovers of Houston. I mean, dude, it's 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 really neat, and and that artistic side of you, I think, is super awesome. No, I appreciate it, and and it's it's been able to kind of transfer across every aspect of my life. So that's what I love about it, right? Like yeah. I'll be out in the field and visiting a customer or whatever. Next thing you know, you throw the drone in the air and you're playing around a little bit, or yeah. you're helping out, get content for different types of companies, and and it's it's just it's fun. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something. Else. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's I, okay. Yeah. You're an open book. I, yeah, I can I appreciate really, that. Yeah, There's I, no right or wrong answer. No, exactly. So, so, and then, okay, then the one last one is, do you have any daily habits or routines to help keep yeah, I mean, you dialed in? Yeah, like it's, you know, a lot of people say they're morning gym and stuff. And, and I, I like getting outside in the morning. Recently, I've, well, pretty consistently, I go for, you know, even if it's 20 minutes, half an hour, road bike ride. I live in the Heights, right on the pathways there. And oh, beauty. You just, you know, Texas... Houston, Texas mornings in the summer, especially, are just incredible. It's nice and warm already, and yeah. the sun's coming up, and you get that just great way to start the day, get the lungs going and stuff, and, Absolutely. and just, just something to get moving, right? Even if it's just some chin ups or whatever, just yeah, just get moving and get and moving. I'm out, yeah. I like mornings. I like to embrace the good for you early man. part of the day. So yeah, if you win the morning, you win the day. That's the way I like to see it. Well, with that said, everyone, I do want to take a moment to tell everyone about some upcoming OGGN events. Hey, it's Mark LaCour, Editor-in-Chief here at OGGN. Sorry for the interruption, folks, but I just want to share a few quick things for November. First, our industrial mixers here in Houston, November 17th. It's usually the last Thursday of each month, but because of the holidays, we're having to move stuff around. We're also launching a new live stream, OGGN Unscripted, on November 16th. We'll be at the Rockwell Automation Fair November 10th to 11th. You can come free. We'll have a live podcast there. We'll be hosting some panels. And then we'll also be at the 23rd World Petroleum Congress 5th through 9th, once again with live podcast and hosting a couple of panels. For this information and everything else, just follow us on social. Check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. And if you go to LinkedIn, go ahead and join the OGGN Street Team. I'll see you again next month. Awesome. And John, thanks again, buddy. It's a blast as always. Every time I see you, I feel like we just chitter chatter like a bunch of young kids in junior high. But so I'll put all the links in the show notes, but you know, you got your Instagram handle, LinkedIn. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, anyone out there who, who's been interested in the conversation today, hit John up and I'm sure he'd love to make time for you to grab a coffee or just chit chat. I mean, you're just such yeah. a networking personal person. I always love being around and everyone that I know does too. So hit him up on LinkedIn and then you got Tasta. Do you guys have a website? Yeah, tassaoutdoors.com. Perfect. And, uh, and then yeah, obviously goes, goes through that. So yeah. And then Carbo, right? Yeah. So we'll put the link in the show notes for that. So yeah. again, John's described a lot of what they do and just, you know, on the front end of a lot of technology and solutions for everybody, which is super cool. So any closing last words, buddy, before we wrap up? No, it sounds good. I as always appreciate the opportunity to have a chat and look forward to watching us both grow. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. And for everyone out there, always remember when the density is up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to down. Woo! 
Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Oil & Gas Onshore, a production of Oil & Gas Global Network. For more information, visit OGGN.com. <laughs>